And all the people of God together said amen. amen. Let us say amen again. Amen. We greet you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who is alive and well. We bring you greetings from uh, the Consolidated Baptist Church, a few miles away uh, from my family, my son, Michael, who is with me today. Uh, I'm just excited to be with you on this day. I'm grateful for each of you as students and uh, older folk who have come from around the community. Older is good, y'all. I'm one of us <laughs> that have come to share with us. Good to see Pastor Lee, uh, son of Consolidated and pastor in this community. So we're just grateful. I also want to thank uh, Sister Donna for that uh, invitation. I'm, I'm trying to find that guy. I'm going to find him when I leave. She was talking about and, uh, you know, get to know him a little bit. But I'm grateful. Uh, she is kind, uh, and to all of you that have been so kind in welcoming me here to Asbury uh, Seminary on this day, we just, we, we greet you and we simply say Godspeed to each one of you. Uh, it's 1125, we're going to uh, seek to do a Baptist miracle. <laughs> my intention is to take the advice of my uh, late deceased pastor who said, stand up, speak up, shut up, and sit down. And maybe if you said enough, they might invite you back one day. So that's going to be my intention today. It won't be long, but I've learned that you don't have to be long to be strong. And so I simply give God the glory, honor, and praise. It's a great privilege, again, to be with you all on this day. There are so many persons that could have been here, but God saw fit to allow me to stand before you today. So pray with me uh, even now as we prepare to share what God has laid on my heart. So join me in a word of prayer. Even now, O God, even now, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, we are the clay. Mold us and shape us according to your will. We are before you yielded and still. O God, empty me of me, fill me with thee, and out of the overflow, God, saturate the hearts of this your people. Speak now, O Lord, for your people are listening. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. To God be the glory, for great things hath he done. I begin by simply saying to each one of you, my brothers and sisters, that may the things that break God's heart break our heart. It's been said that until a man or woman is broken, they will not be greatly used of God. I'm convinced that if you live long enough, God will allow you to be broken, but he does not break you to destroy you. He is breaking you that he might use you in even greater ways. Uh, life is a wonderful thing. I'm thankful for life, but there have been those moments when I've asked myself, God, is it worth it? God, should I get up this morning? God, should I go back at it one more time? And maybe you've never experienced that as a child of God, but I want to suggest that you keep on living. If you keep on walking this thing out biblically, you will recognize that it's more than the Sunday school teacher saying, give your life to Christ and it'll be all right. Oh, oh yeah, it will be all right ever, eventually, but on the way, uh, you better prepare yourself because there are going to be some ups and downs, some twists 
and some turns because persons in the pew will not care that you have a degree from Asbury Theological Seminary. They want to know, is there a word from the Lord? They, they need something that will keep them beyond Sunday morning, that will carry them through murky Mondays and turbulent Tuesdays and wicked Wednesdays and messed up Thursdays and freaky Fridays and sadistic Saturdays just to get back to the Lord's house on Sunday morning one more time. I've lived long enough to recognize, Sister Donna, the saints of old that used to say, if I could just make it back out to the church house one more time. But as I look at this book of Ephesians, and I heard uh, someone say that uh, the next two preachers are preaching from Ephesians 2 as well. Either there's something you need or we're all crazy the same way. Uh, as I look at this world that we live in, that which you've been called to minister to, uh, it's a messed up place. I'd like to tell you that it was all Sunday morning and, and roses without thorns and highways without bends, twists, turns, and hills. But the world we live in is not like that. This is a fallen place, seemingly forsaken at times, except that the word of God speaks to us and reminds us that God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. As I seek to talk to you about a portrait of love in, uh, in the next few minutes, I'm reminded that you've got to know God for yourself on this journey. As I think about a portrait of love, I think about love in and of itself. And love, uh, and I'm dating myself, love is, is a many splendor thing. That line, yeah, you know, right out of love story back in the day. It's a many splendor thing. And in seeking to define love, Many a man and woman have been left emotionally exhausted. That which seems so simple on the surface after some spiritual, spiritual excavation has proven to be more than just complicated. From feelings of intense affection to just plain painful, love, in my own humble opinion, is the most misunderstood thing still among humanity. Hard to define, yes. Difficult to understand, yes, but just what exactly is this thing called love? It's the most desired gift one could ever long for. And I still hear persons saying, love is not love until you give it away. But I'm led to ask, what exactly does such a statement mean? This I do know. You can't stop by Kroger's on the way home and get a bag of love. Sacks on Fifth Avenue does not stock love on its shelves. Love, though greatly desired, is elusive and seemingly difficult to lay hold of. But the Apostle Paul in this book of Ephesians seeks to aid us in understanding this issue of love. And in so doing, he points us to the one who is love himself, and that is God Almighty. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 deal with doctrine while chapters 4, 5, and 6 deal with duty. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 deal with proclamation, while 4, 5, and 6 deal with practice. 1, 2, and 3 deal with belief, while 4, 5, and 6 deal with behavior. These six chapters represent Paul's attempt to strengthen the Ephesians and the congregations. He wanted them to understand the spiritual reality behind the groups that were gathering in houses all over the Mediterranean world. As well, he sought to encourage them in their faith. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what God has called you to do. God has called 
you to a place called Wilmore, Kentucky, from literally all over the known world. How do you find, how do you end up in Wilmore? You, you, you don't get here by accident, hook, or crook. I'm convinced you're here by the sovereign hand of God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Knowing such, you are right where God has called you to be at this time, at this hour. And so the task then and now in a city like Ephesus is to be focused. Uh, distractions then and now in our lives are varied and many, especially in the spiritual realm. First of all, Paul had to deal with his own struggles as he was imprisoned in Rome when he penned this letter. And it's believed that while in prison, he penned this book to Ephesus. Secondly, the city of Ephesus was the capital, capital city and was considered to be the interstate of several trade routes. Ephesus was where the world came to do business or at least passed through on the way to doing their business. But it was also the site of the fertility goddess Diana, considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Historically, Ephesus was a place of prominence as Paul used this city as a center for his missionary work throughout the region. And so he greets the readers and, uh, he, he, and the hearers of this circular letter which would be read throughout all of Asia, talking about love. Not just love as a noun, but love as an action word. In short, love is better understood when it's presented as a portrait, as an action, presented as that which one can see. It is easy enough to see that God is love and say that loudly, but it's even better to know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, action, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. God, who is love, did something. He died that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He gave that we might receive. He came down that we might go up. God did something and even now continues to do in us, for us, through us, and toward us. God has not saved you to look good on the pew in the chapel. God has saved you to get full of him on the pew and then go out into the world and tell dying men and women everywhere about somebody that can save anybody and his name is Jesus Christ. God has called you. God has apprehended you. God has chosen you to join him in the greatest work on the planet. God, God, I, I, I get... I, I, I'm overwhelmed when I give thought to who God is and what God has done and that he would choose someone like me. There's another Richard Gaines that Donna didn't know that had a life before this one came into being that was dead in his trespasses. But God, who is rich in mercy, saved me. And so in short, I want to say two things and I'm out of your way today. I want you to know that one, that God has made you alive. And two, that you are his workmanship. That's all I want to leave you with today. You, God has made you alive. We've been saved by grace, through faith, not of works, so that none of us can boast. God, God 
has made us alive. If he has made us alive, we must have been dead. And you know, dead folk don't respond to anything. They're just dead. Uh, thank God you're not in that crowd any longer. I'm not in that crowd any longer. But, but there's still many dead folk walking around in designer clothes and nice cars, nice houses, uh, educated, letters after their name, but dead. Because they have no knowledge of God. Men and women, boys and girls that have no knowledge of God. And God thought enough of you to have chosen you and made you alive that you and I have the privilege of joining him in the ministry of reconciliation. God chose you. Think about that. Pause. Let that sink in. You didn't choose him, but God chose you. And you know what blows my mind? Knowing how jacked up I was. Messed up I was. Sinful I was. He still chose me. In fact, the Bible teaches me that he chose me before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Before God ever said, let there be light. God says, I choose him. I choose her. There were some fraternities that wouldn't take me. There were some football teams that said I was too small and too slow, but the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that stepped out of nowhere in the not yet and spoke all into being, him chose me. Stop taking it for granted that God chose you. Wear it as a badge of honor. God chose me. Maybe that guy didn't want you, but God chose you. Maybe the girl rejected you, but God chose you. We need to know who we are. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Yes, we're peculiar in all our ways, but God chose us. Don't ever forget you have been chosen. Saved by grace, not of works, so that you and I don't get to boast. What, what, what is Paul saying? Paul, Paul knew who he was writing to. Uh, there were people on one hand who said, it's enough that I recognize that I'm saved by grace, and so I don't have to do anything. I can just chill now I'm saved. And then on the other side of the coin, there was a group that says, uh, it's not grace at all, but I... I, I, I'm going to work. If I just work enough, if I just do enough good, if I get to the end of my life and the ledge of good is, is, is higher than the level of bad, then I'm in. Paul says, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's not either or. It's both and. Because we don't work to be saved, but we all work because we're saved. There ought to be some evidence, some fruit in your life. Jesus says uh, that his people would produce much good fruit. He didn't say might, he didn't say maybe, he didn't say if. He says, you're going to produce much good fruit. There ought to be some evidence that you know him without you having to wave your Bible. Without having to turn flips, but just stand flat-footed on the word of God and say, for God I live and for God I die. 
got to live out the word of God. Love the Lord with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We've got to do that. that that's love. That's love in action. We're saved by grace. None of us are worthy of salvation. But God, who is generous in love. God, who is generous in his mercy. God, who cares more about us than we do about ourselves, thought enough of us to save us. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Second, secondly, and I'm done. I told you I wouldn't be long. We are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. I want to encourage somebody today. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You, you are God's workmanship. And, and last time I checked, God doesn't deal in junk. I, I know you're in seminary, but that does not make you alien to struggles. Because you're in Asbury, it doesn't mean that you've got all the self-confidence you need. I know you, you struggle. I, I mean, preachers struggle. Allow me to take a detour for a minute. Preachers struggle. Their, their marriages fail. Their children go AWOL. They go missing in action. Unfortunately, some of us even go so far as to commit suicide. We have drug habits. We get caught up in pornography and all the other lists. All of us recognizing all but decorated dust. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you fall, don't have a pity party. Get yourself back up and recognize that God's word says, if I but confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When you've been broken, when you've been through it yourself, then you can help those around you. You are God's workmanship. Whatever you are, you are by the grace of God. Whatever you are not, you are not by the grace of God. It is God who had made us and not we ourselves. And in the process, we have no room for pride. I'm saved by grace through faith. That's a gift. I didn't earn it. I didn't get myself clean up enough for it. It's a gift that God in his love toward me, toward you, has given us. We don't have room for pride because pride opens the door for things like sexism. I'm a man. That makes me better than you. That makes me superior to you. Pride opens the door for things like racism because of the, 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 my ethnicity. I'm, I'm better than or I'm less than. No, that, that's pride. Because my zip code has better paved streets than yours. That's pride. That's pride. And then to hear persons who claim Jesus is Lord and Savior, that you've got to be a part of their political party to be a Christian. Rather than cussing, I just holler. Ah! 
It makes you want to holler sometimes. But God has called you for such a time as this to stand in the gap. If there was ever a time we needed godly, bold, committed men and women of the gospel, it's now. You can say, look at the world, how bad it is. Or you can say, for this time, God has called me and the opportunities are greater than ever. I believe that because the, the area in the center, Reverend, is disappearing. This, this go along and get along crowd, no, that, that's disappearing. Either you with the Lord or you're not. It's like being pregnant. You can't be partially pregnant. <laughs> Either you are a saint or you are ain't. There's no in between. And God has called you to stand in the gap. Love does. Love suffers long. And it's kind. Give me five minutes, I'm out of your way. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love, love is patient. Love is turning the other cheek. Love is not just going the second mile, but ever how many miles are required. Love is, 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 is just love. It, it's, it does not envy. It does not get jealous when things don't go its way. It, it doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It, it does not behave rudely. It, it does not seek its own, but it says it seeks what's best for the object of itself. It's not provoked. It, love doesn't fly off the handle about every little old thing. Love is stable. It, love thinks no evil. Love, love gives you the benefit of the doubt. Does not rejoice in iniquity. I don't celebrate when you do wrong or when I do wrong, but I rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. Love puts up with some stuff. I didn't say approve the stuff, but, but love them through the stuff. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether they're prophecies, they will fail. Tongues, they will fail. Knowledge will vanish away, but love is the greatest of these. And the world, if ever, needs a portrait of love. The world knows what we're against. What they don't know is what we're for. We spend a lot of time talking about, don't do this, don't do that. Well, what the heck can they do? I told you, it makes me holler sometimes. <laughs> love. 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 Oh, I wish I could see it like I see it. Love is that, that thing that will push you beyond your own limitations. Love, 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 love is that thing, Reverend Lee, that, that comes from a place that oftentimes we didn't even know existed within us. Because it'll cause us to do things, good things that we said we'd never do. It'll take us places we said we'd never go. Love will cause you to give away that which you said you would forever keep. But then that's the portrait of love. And right now the world needs a portrait of love. They, they've heard enough. They want to see it. 
And we better be consistent in our showing. Our audio and our video ought match. Our walk and our talk have to be in, in, in synchrony one with another. But if not, we're guilty of hypocrisy. And the last time I checked, one thing a worldly person can recognize is a hypocrite. If nothing else, they got that part down. Because game recognizes game. Sometimes people come into my office, and uh, especially guys that are going through it, and they'll be talking about, Rip, I'm doing this, 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 and that, that, that. And, uh, and finally, when I've had enough, I said, okay, my time is valuable and so is yours. So when you want to talk, come back. Because right now, my game recognizes your game. You just messing around. I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt and some scars as witness. I know that game. But when Jesus comes into your life, the game changes. That's what you used to get excited about, you don't get excited about anymore. And I want to leave you with this question. What is it that excites you? What is it that drives you? As a child of God, as a laborer in the vineyard, what is it that gets you up in the morning and sends you dashing into a brand new day? What is it? If it's anything other than the things of God, I want to encourage you to go back to the foot of the cross. Get on bended knees and say, God, renewing me a right spirit. Creating me a clean heart of God. Make me ready for that which I'm not ready for. Listen, God, <clears throat> for this hour, has called you. Leave your knowing God has called you, and he knows the plans he has for you. And if you will seek him, God will reveal himself to you and make plain what he would have you to do. A dying world is waiting for you to come and tell them about the Savior. And his name simply is that of Jesus Christ. UK basketball won't do it. For the U of L fans, won't do it. For the Cowboy fans, I know there's some others in there, that, that won't do it. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for these few moments with your children. I pray, oh God, that something that's been said or done to encourage and challenge them at the same time. I pray, oh God, that they may draw close to you as a result. You draw close to them. Remind them, oh God, that great is thy faithfulness. Uh, let them know afresh that you have not brought them this far to leave them, and you will never leave them, nor will you forsake them. I pray, O oh God, that they might look beyond their resources that they see and remember that you are the source of all resources, that all of their help comes from you. May they aim high. May their plans be so great that there's a God gap that only you can fill. Uh, let them know, God, that their vision ought not be limited by what they can see, 
but be reminded that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. God, make them believers of your word, not just hearers, but believers of your word to the point that they put your word to the test. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let that become our theme verse, that nothing would limit our goals that we set for the kingdom. God, thank you for this Asbury Seminary community. I pray that your spirit would permeate this place and this people and that all who enter and exit these grounds might leave with a little bit of heavenly residue departed into them. God, may you be glorified in all that takes place and may your people be blessed. This we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen.